Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, part of SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko. Joining me, as always, is our founder and fearless leader, John Dam Johnston. Hello, John. Hello, Greg. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? Happy Thanksgiving to <laughs> you, sir. I'm ready to eat a whole gob of my wife's home cooking. <laughs> I'm gl- Just so I can be bloated and explode <laughs> like a cow I found years ago when I was a young boy in western Nebraska. Found it in a pasture and poked it with a stick until it popped. And out of it came the most foul, disgusting odor I'd ever smelled in my life till I got bigger and went into the state of Iowa and realized <laughs> that whole fucking state smells like dead, bloated cow exploding. There's got to be about half a dozen double entendres in there, right? With no further introduction needed, really, let's bring in the third member, our special guest this week. He messaged me long ago and said, can I come back to the Five Heart Podcast for Iowa Week for really hate Iowa hate week or evil Iowa week as we have been known to call it here. He is... An alum, a Five Heart Podcast alum, and uh, and and oh, it's so good to hear his voice. I, I I'm getting good, 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 good vibrations just thinking about the way this conversation is going to go down here today. Welcome, happy Thanksgiving, and happy birthday to Hoss Reuter. Thanks for all the superlatives, Skip. I'm happy to be back here. <sighs> He's very dramatic, isn't he? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So, uh, we get to kick Iowa's ass or what this week, boys? Uh, if, if, if the Nebraska men's basketball game was any indication, yes. Well, I'd say way. that I'd say that most Nebraska fans right now are apprehensive of watching any football, especially against Iowa. But I'd like to think that the guys there playing football for us there in Lincoln could rise up and show some energy this game and kick them Iowa shitheads into the ground. That's how I feel. And um we're looking at a team. We're playing a team on Friday that's kicked our ass five years in a row. Well, past two years, you know, come down last second field goals. If that doesn't get your piss hot as a player, I don't know what does. Because as a fan, I'm ready to go for this one. I, I, I've i missed these amazing phrases. Um, and by the way, we're <laughs> going to talk about, uh, Hoss, you're going to be so happy. I almost, I almost took to Twitter with this this past Saturday in the game against Illinois. I almost... Almost the, the thumbs were almost there typing, as I almost said. You know what the Huskers are missing this week? The juice. 
the juice, the juice. That's right. We've missed it a lot. Tell, um, tell us, tell, honest, remind the listeners who maybe haven't been around, have have missed you, and have forgotten. Remind them what the juice is. The juice is really just, you know, I hate to sound cliched here, but the juice is really just playing 110% on every snap and playing great technique, executing your assignment, playing with great effort, um, just being a real, you know, hard to kill motherfucker out there. You know, you really, you just can't be beat. And so you got to play with juice. And I mean, playing with juice doesn't mean you're not going to lose, you know, cause that it's football, you know, losses do happen, but playing with juice puts you in the best position to win the game at the end of it. Well, let's talk, uh, uh I know that John, by the way, uh, if you, are only tuning in to the Five Heart Podcast on uh, Coronation Radio, you're missing out because John turned out four podcasts in three days. Uh, he's doing the Lord's work for us uh, at Coronation, and he did a solo reaction show. Haas, do you remember our first reaction show that we did before we had reaction shows? Yeah, it was about <laughs> three years ago at this time. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota. Yeah, a very dark day. Uh, that Minnesota game, and uh, unfortunately, I think last week's Illinois game was like an unholy trinity of 2001 Colorado, 2017 NIU, and 2017 Minnesota all rolled into one. It was bad, um, and it, it, I had a bad feeling about that game. You know, not look. I know we don't we don't get to a pop culture. Too many pop culture references or nerd talk in this, but uh, to quote any abundance of Star Wars characters, I have a bad feeling about this. Right after that first play from scrimmage, where McCaffrey threw the pass across the line of scrimmage, uh, they ruled it a fumble. Illinois recovered. They didn't review, and and that would be, Illinois was off. You you feel deflated because you, a, you don't want to come out first game, turn the ball over deep in uh, your own territory Two, the fact that they didn't bother to review the turnover, which I thought was standard practice. Um, and D you don't come out of the gates and, and call that play. That was just a horrible play call from the beginning. Yeah, when that happened, I wasn't I wasn't happy with the play call, but when they ruled it a fumble on the field, I was kind of subdued, thinking, you know, you got 59 minutes left in this game. Let's try to weather this storm right here and just get through it. I was watching the game with my brother-in-law, and he let out, you know, some expletives that would have made Tony Soprano blush, but uh, that came for me later in the game. I It'd been a while since I became that unglued over a Nebraska football game. John, I mean, obviously you had your the the reaction show, um, and you you spoke in your in the reaction show. By the way, it's you know twelve or fifteen minutes long, folks. If you if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. Uh, and you can check out. I can't. No, yeah, you can check out the video as well on YouTube because uh, John's been cranking out some YouTube classics as well. Um, but and and I think we're going to talk about this through the course of the show. But John, you you made a comment about any mystique that surrounded Nebraska football is like poof and gone. 
Well, I don't I don't think it I think everybody else realizes it doesn't exist. I think the people that don't realize it doesn't exist are still Nebraska fans. I mean, yeah. clearly the rest of the Big Ten doesn't give two shits about us. Uh, our history, our traditions, uh, how good we were back then. Uh, you know, I, I did that interview with Scott Dockerman, and he pointed out, I mean, what what? how many times have we lost Iowa in a row? Five? Five. How many times have we lost to, what is it? Not Illinois, Wisconsin. We haven't Seven? beat Wisconsin since the iPhone 4 was brand new in 2012. <laughs> Right. Uh, it makes so, me feel old because I have an any iPhone 6. Idea, any, any, idea, any idea that we had that Nebraska football, the phrase Nebraska football means anything to anybody but Nebraska fans should be shit out a window. Uh, because it well, doesn't. Actually, right now it means ridicule because they know they can go on social media, say some things, and suddenly all the chain yanking begins. And Nebraska's... Nebraskans react like I do when my kids yank my chain. You know, I, I go off and they just enjoy the shit out of it. Well, so I guess know, if I think, you say that on sorry. social media, then, uh, yeah, go ahead and, I, you know, go ahead and yell at Andy Staples when he says stuff about Nebraska. You know, he's not your enemy. Well, I think a big thing is it comes down to the generational gap with Husker fans. And I was talking to my dad on Saturday and he's, 62 years old, you know, born in 1958. So he saw all five national championships, saw the Devaney and Osborne eras. And he was telling me how hard it is to watch, you know, when you haven't, you know, because of how good we used to be. And I had to kind of chime in and I told him, try being a Husker fan born in 1990. I mean, yeah. by and large, the product that on a weekly basis is just suboptimal. I mean, at times it barely passes, you know, for, average football and the thing is like every saturday i still convince myself you know hey this is going to be the day uh this might be the day where this program starts turning things around starts heading back in the right direction and every day i just feel like a clown you know every saturday i just feel like a clown and i'm never going to stop watching husker football i'm never going to stop supporting husker football but there comes a point where you have to come to grips with the fact that we are just not a very good football team and the rest of the conference and the rest of the country doesn't give two shits about us. And um, the thing that really gets me is we we should have known that as Husker fans for a long time. I mean, the weekend that Mike Riley was fired in 2017, I remember thinking, you know, I'm ready for a complete reboot. Just tear it down to the foundation, you know, tear up the foundation and pour a new one and build it back just you know build back from absolute zero and instead husker fans just want to and we're all guilty of it husker fans just want to think that we still matter and we don't because the only thing that matters in this sport is winning it's the only way to get respect well i the reason why we do the post-game reaction podcast is because they're post-game and they're raw. Uh, after you sit down for 24 to 48 hours and think about it, you come up with different ideas. Well, and, hell, I'm starting to get to the point where I get over it in about an hour and a half. I'm old and my brain doesn't work that fast. Thanks, Ross. Fuck you. <laughs> Wait, Ross? What? I said hot. Oh, I thought you said Sometimes my consonants get all jumbled up in my brain, you motherfucker, okay? 
Yeah, your phonemes. Okay. Why do you hey, got to use all these big words? Hey, you can you can because he's paying uh, for that master's one of the best degree. Professors I've ever had in my life this past semester at the University of Nebraska, Dr. Carrie Clark. She taught me what phonemes were. I I I want to say I hate her, but she's probably a pretty decent person. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> great person, great professor. I have a question for you. Yes. Who's the youngest team in the nation? Youngest team in the nation. It's not us. You sure? No, because we have – are we still in like the top three in terms of inexperience? I don't know, but come on. Think about it. Half of our roster is freshmen and sophomores, and that's 150 guys. Yeah, but when you think about it, though, most of our starters, although our lower classmen, they've been starting since 2018, so experience has to come into play. Okay, and one year is experience? Yeah, two, some of these guys are heading into their third year. Oh, my God, their whole third year. You only get four years as a college <laughs> career, John. <laughs> I'm going to read you – I'm going to read you a quote, and it's a quote from Milt Tenniper's book, The Assembly Line. Yes, I own it. It's, I'm looking at it on my bookshelf right now. you got to send me that book, okay. Austin. No, no, that thing no, that no, thing goes no. on Amazon for seven hundred bucks. I found it for three dollars, brand new at a half price bookstore. That thing gets buried with me. Okay, but you, can I borrow yeah. it and read it? No, no. I, I don't loan it out to anybody. I've had dear personal friends ask if they could borrow it, and I've told them no. Awesome. Mine signed. Oh fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a term of dear. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna read this Milt Tenniper quote. Most men, most young men aspire to be the best, but money don't realize what it takes to get there. This is where older players become an influence. Their work habits and dedication to excel tend to rub off on the aspiring young players. Yeah, it's internalizing uh, motivation. So when we look at our football team, where's the older players that are rubbing off on the younger players? Uh, one just finished his career at TCU. J.D. Yeah. Spielman, you know, and and, I, and another I one's at Rutgers, who yeah. should probably be our starting quarterback this year for all intents and purposes. Okay, but what? Let's one year, two years experience. You get four years. Who are the seniors on this team? Seniors on this team are guys like Colin Miller, who was a redshirt freshman in 2017, and Ben Stille. Uh, a lot of guys. I mean, we've had so much turnover. DiCaprio Boodle, Brendan Hymas. So, I mean, these are guys who are freshmen or redshirt freshmen in the last two years of Riley. And then they haven't met success in this, under this regime yet. So ha asking older players to kind of rub off on the younger ones in terms of motivation and aspiring to be the best, you have upperclassmen and senior or upperclassmen leaders who really haven't seen success and they really don't know what success looks like. And there's not really a culture for them to uphold because we've had so much turnover since 2014. I feel like this is perhaps a, um, a reason why as a graduate uh, senior uh, last year, Darian Daniels came in and was voted captain because he'd been at Oklahoma right. State and, and he 
you know, had like some reasonable success. Yeah, he was. You I mean Oklahoma State? You know, the Cowboys weren't you know world beaters, but, better than us. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, um, they, they you know we as an organ or as an organization as a program, however you want to phrase it, the bar had been set so low that you could come in from a you know bowl eligible team that had you know at least six seven wins uh, a few years in a row and <laughs> you know try to try to turn the culture around a little bit. Well, I think I think a big thing right now that we're kind of seeing with this program is trying to rebuild such a damaged psyche and trying to build that cultural foundation as a staff. I think that some of the methods that the staff is using may not be effective. And I don't want to I'm not I don't want to go armchair head coach or armchair psychologist here. But it just, you know, Frost has talked a lot about not really getting after guys, not, you know, not chewing guys out. And, you know, by and large, you don't want to be doing that because, you know, you get into things that happen at other universities, like what happened at Wichita State with Greg Marshall or other football coach who have been football coaches who have been fired, you know, because of verbal, you know, abuse. But you kind of, as a staff, you have to adapt the behaviorist model of psychology and leadership. You got to be able to present to players, hey, this is what you need to do. This is the stimulus of what we want you to do. You do it right, you get the response, positive response. You do it wrong, you get the negative response. So behaviorism, as it pertains to coaching, is really the only way that you can get players to internalize those factors of motivation, those external factors of a coach, you know, making sure a player's going to workouts at 5.30 in the morning. They're on time for practice. They're there for film. They're going to class, you know, study hall, that stuff. At some point, the player has to internalize that. But if the players aren't internalizing that by year three, chances are the coach's methods to get them to internalize those factors of motivation need to be reevaluated. So like an old guy like me, you can't just run him to death and beat him to death anymore. What the hell's the deal with that? That's why everybody's so soft. Well, I mean, that's why behaviorism in terms of psychology gets a bad rap, but there's a time and a place for behaviorism. Saban is a behaviorist. Um, Tom Osborne, as mild-mannered as he was, he was a behaviorist and he was ruthless in a good way, not in a, you know, underhanded, you know, evil way just ruthless like hey you're gonna align with the organizational goal or else you're not gonna be here anymore well i i guess you know we usually just kind of bullshit on on this podcast and here you're getting all technical on with this with the i'm not gonna be no armchair psychologist and then you bring out behaviorism well i do have a semester of graduate level educational psychology under my belt so, so I might be a little qualified to talk about it. This is the stuff we've missed, Hoss, just so you know. Oh, thank you. Oh, sure, Greg. I've always been here. And, and, and <laughs> you, John, you bring your own. You bring your folksy homespun wisdom. It, Hoss, uh, I, I got a message from a, a faithful listener, a shout-out to a friend of the show, Josh. And he, he asked me uh, if I was Facebook friends with John. And I'm like, well, yeah. And he said, does he rant? on Facebook like he you know like in in text form like he rants on 
on uh, the show because if so, I want to send him a friend request. And I'm I'm looking through John's post. I'm like, unfortunately, no. <laughs> he said he said red ass John is the best John. It makes the show. <laughs> yeah, red ass John is the best John. And uh, yeah, I I stopped doing that on Facebook because it just it beats people up. You know what I mean? You can't do that all the time in your real life. Well, I want to I want to talk about beating people up, and it, it, and I'm not pointing the finger certainly at any of us, but after you want to go beat up Kirk Ferentz? Yep. I'll tell you what. I want to beat up Brian Moore. Um, yes. <laughs> but look, uh, this has been a season of inconsistent quarterback play. Uh, obviously, Adrian Martinez started the season, and for lack of a better term, he, he got benched in favor of of uh, 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 Luke McCaffrey. Haas, since we haven't had you on the show, and we're four games into this mess now, what do you see? You know, and and how do you how do you analyze? You know, one versus the other, and and then you know, Frost saying, I think today. It might have been, you know, whatever press conference it was that, you know, they've been as, you know, intense, you know, in this, these, these few days of practice leading up to a Friday's game, uh, as they've been all, all season, which I don't like hearing that. I want them to be as intense every practice, but what, how do you analyze these two quarterbacks? Because they've been embroiled in, you know, like we always clamor every offseason. We're like, oh, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the offseason. We have a true quarterback competition. And then now it's, you know, the, the most popular guy on the on the uh, roster is the backup QB. Well, first off, I Adrian Martinez didn't get benched because of any physical or athletic limitations. He got benched because he wasn't from the mental side of, the quarterback position. He just wasn't seeing the field very well, and he wasn't processing the information quick enough to make good reads or the right decision with the football. He still is the best downfield thrower we have on the, you know, on the roster as a quarterback. He can still pick you up yards in the run game, whether it's on scrambles or designed runs like quarterback dart. But that last interception against Northwestern, throwing rolling out to your right and throwing late back across the middle and it getting picked off. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. So you try to go with a guy who brings a lot of similar things to the offense in terms of running ability. And he's more explosive than Adrian, but Luke isn't the downfield passer. So Adrian really got benched from a mental processing standpoint, just not processing the information quick enough to get into a good play. But what it's proven is that in college football, you got to be able to throw to win. Even if you're a run-based attack, you still have to throw the ball effectively enough to get the defense, you know, to stay in, you know, some zone coverages or, you know, play a little deeper in terms of their coverage, not being able to attack downhill and run support. And when we have Luke out there at quarterback, it's no slide on the kid because he's a phenomenal athlete, but he's pretty one-dimensional. And so I think that – I personally think that we'll see Adrian starting against Iowa. I think some of the throws he can make downfield while inconsistent at times is still a be- added benefit over Luke McCaffrey at the position. Um, I still want to see Luke McCaffrey being used as that duck R 
role, you know, that Juan Dale played and uh, Adrian Killens played and the Duck are at UCF because I think that uh, McCaffrey has elite speed and acceleration in college football. The package of plays that you could use with him really would add an extra dimension to this offense. You're talking sweeps, screens, uh, crossing routes, jet sweeps. You can start to do a lot of the stuff that Oklahoma likes to do, kind of their bash sweeps, do a quarterback with a run or throw option on the perimeter. So you got to try to find the best of both worlds. And I think in terms of this football team, that's Adrian at quarterback with Luke on the field as the slot receiver. Right right now, we don't have an offensive identity. No, so, we don't. We don't. And um, part of that's a part of that's a little bit due to the nature of <coughs> excuse me the spread off this spread offense that Frost runs. It's so game plan specific. You're installing new plays every week that can exploit exactly what the defense is going to line up in. So that doesn't lead to a lot of continuity week to week, but in terms of those plays that differ on a weekly basis, we still don't have that one thing that we can say, no matter what we do or no matter what the opponent does every week, this is one thing that we're going to establish. We don't have that thought we did against Ohio state, the way the offensive line played pretty well, thought we were able to get to be able to run the football against anyone in this conference. It's gone downhill through four weeks and some of that's you know cam jurgens being injured against northwestern and then looking rusty against penn state which that gets into a whole nother conversation that i could go on and on and dedrick mills that injury and just not having that really that effective running back that we need i mean through almost you know two and now a half seasons of scott frost being here Divino Zigbo for the last eight games of 2018 is the best example of the kind of running back this offense needs. Some guy that's going to get up the field and get yards no matter what's in front of him. Exactly. You know, and he still has good speed, good explosion, and uh, he can kind of do it all. And that kind of brings me to a point in recruiting that I want to make is, unfortunately, in the Big Ten Conference, running this offense we need to find that unicorn eye back, that eye back that can do it all. Size, speed, strength, run inside, run on the perimeter, catch passes. I mean, the perfect back for this offense would be a guy like Lawrence Phillips. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, just a complete total eye back. I don't want to. Oh, yeah. Uh, Those things only come along every once in our generation. Why well, do you think the, I called him a unicorn? The uh, the other <laughs> the other name, you know, as you're as you're listing the the skill set there, I don't know why, uh, but the one that popped in my head was Adrian Peterson. Oh God, yeah. I mean, you put him into any offense, God, right? Yeah. Well, that's true. Um, I want to I want to touch on a, a couple things that since you obviously we were talking about Martinez <laughs> and McCaffrey, and then you brought up Ohio State. Why haven't or, or why why hasn't the playbook? included more you know in the last few games that had both of them on the field at the same time i think it's a case of really wanting to let luke settle in as the undisputed starter i think it's more from a continuity standpoint Mm -hmm. and a unity standpoint of hey let's give this guy his chance let's put adrian on the sideline he's our backup quarterback you know let's not upset the apple cart 
But against Illinois, I thought Adrian should have came in a lot sooner. Sure. Um, Because, and honestly, it was garbage time, but you can still get a little bit of an evaluation from garbage time, which is why, unlike a lot of my friends that I have who will turn off a Nebraska game when they realize, you know, we're getting our ass kicked or we've got no shot, I'll keep it on because, one, I must be like a masochist deep down somewhere and just can't turn it off. Join the club. But <laughs> but the big thing is I want to see some of the guys who don't normally play get in there and see if there's that little flash that they did something right and, hey, that might be something to build on. That might be something that's portable to another game situation. But when Adrian got in in garbage time, he looked a lot more comfortable. You think you know, he, felt, he, looked, he felt less pressure? It looked like that might have been a good thing for him to, you know, ride the pine and kind of get his head right and just see it from a different perspective. And um, I think it might have been good. Well, he's only got a whole fucking state bitching at him if he fails. <laughs> exactly. Not like, I, mean, not I couldn't, like I couldn't begin to imagine. I, I, I don't know what that'd be like if you're 18 years old and have an entire state of fans hate you. We're making one or two mistakes. Like we hate Adrian Martinez now. The guy gets butchered on social media. You know, fuck us for that. Oh you no, know, I, I agree. I agree, and I don't put, I don't put any of the blame on Adrian. I I think it's uh, somewhere along the line the development, his development and his quarterback play, somewhere along the line the coaching of it has uh, caused his play to regress so I don't put that on him because I mean for crying out loud in 2018 I mean I'm a Chiefs fan so it's able it's easy to make this connection but in 2018 when Patrick Mahomes is the you know is in his first year starting for the Chiefs and then Adrian Martinez is in his first year starting at Nebraska I'm watching games on Saturday and then watching Chiefs games on Sundays now I'm thinking to myself holy shit, there's actually a lot of comparison between these guys. Not, And I'm not saying Adrian has the arm talent of Pat Mahomes, but the way they played the game, the way they saw the field, they were able to improvise the command of the offense. I saw a lot of similarities. So somewhere along the lines, that development did not continue to stack on top of itself. Somewhere it just stopped. And in coaching, you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. And I just kind of think that we didn't press his development as much as we should have after that first year. I'm glad you mentioned coaches because that has been uh, a lightning rod on social media and in comment sections and on Twitter is, we, you know, we, and, and look, we, we love the guy. We love his personality, but uh, coach Verduzco, a lot of people are saying that you know if if there's a, a coach to you know be be sent to you know to the the altar of sacrifice and, and done away with it's him because they are not seeing the progress. Uh, and mm-hmm. in fact, a lot of them are saying there's regression in the quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, you look at quarterbacks quarterbacks that were here when Scott Frost came to Lincoln, Tristan Jebbia. Is at Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick O'Brien is at Northern Colorado State University. Just wherever. Colorado State. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, you know, and, 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 and Frost comes in and did he 
misevaluate, you know, some of the guys who were on his roster when he got here? Did he already have, you know, a plan? And, you know, he, he said, you know, uh, uh, you know, you're my ride or die, and and you know we're 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 dying. <laughs> you know, it's it's is he so you know stick to his guns that he's I don't I don't want to say he's willing to sacrifice his success, his reputation, the program, the university, the state, anything like that. But and I'm I'm, I'm definitely not saying that this is a Scott Frost exclusive issue. I think a lot of coaches are so you know loyal to a fault. Um, is, is there, is there an issue at, uh, at the quarterback coach position? Well, I think evidence suggests that there is. And I mean, I like a lot of the coaching points that I've heard Verduzco talk about and discuss, but at some point, the proof that you put on the field for 12 Saturdays a year is kind of what you're judged off of and just not really seeing it. Uh, not seeing continued progression. And I, I think it's at this point, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here talking about coaching still before getting back to quarterbacks. Um, at this point, at almost three seasons in, people can say this staff doesn't have their guys, just wait till they get their guys. A lot of these guys are in their third, have gone through three off seasons with Frost. You know, mm-hmm. uh, this year's notwithstanding how weird it was, but they're on their third season of actual gameplay with Frost. At some point, even though they weren't the guys that you picked, they're your guys. Most of their development has occurred under your watch. Whether you picked them or not, that's immaterial. So you got to you got to start to show progress with the hand that you're dealt. You know, you just got to develop the guys that you have. But in terms of quarterbacks, I think it was a case of Jebbia and O'Brien. They didn't fit the skill set that Frost was looking for. And I can't really fault him for that. Um, you know, they felt good w- about where Adrian Martinez was at heading into 2018. I also don't fault Frost for the Joe Burrow situation where he said, do you think he's better than what we got now? Because, I mean, look at the year that Adrian had in 2018 and look at the year Joe Burrow had in 2018. I remember watching LSU quite a bit that fall, and Joe Burrow was nothing more than a glorified game manager. He'd make the safe throw, and he'd pick up the first down with his feet occasionally, but that was about it. No one saw that 2019 season coming. So they just thought Adrian was the tailor-made fit for this offense, and in a lot of ways he was, but somewhere in the development stage it's regressed do you think these players see this as a throwaway year at least some of them yeah and i think i i actually would think that i bet a lot of coaches <coughs> excuse me a lot of coaches in college football do too they probably i'll, I'll give you an example yeah please rashad bateman decided that he's done for minnesota yeah, yeah i saw one that of best, one of the best receivers in the nation and he has decided that he's done at Minnesota and is going to uh, focus on his NFL career. And, and you look at that decision, you can kind of go back and say, well, okay, he sat out the beginning of the year, then he came back and wanted to play, and now he's done again. And why is that? Well, part of that is because Minnesota really doesn't have anything to play for. And what are they going to get out of this year? If he gets hurt, he's not an NFL star anymore. He's not going to get exactly drafted. Right. 
there, there's nothing for some of these guys to play. Why is Penn State 0-5? Penn State is not an 0-5 team, but they're 0-5 for the first time in their school history. Why are they 0-5? Because there's nothing for them to play for this year. And I realize that you can sit there as a guy that's on your ass watching football and go, well, they can play for pride. Yeah, whatever the fuck. You know, it's we can all it's easy to say. But there's a lot of this year that's just a waste, and it's it's we're getting bent out of shape. You know, I was very upset watching Illinois, but at the same time, I look at it and go, this year is just stupid all around. You know, I've, I've felt that this year is kind of a throwaway, almost just a developmental league year from the start. But the reason why last Saturday pissed me off as badly as it did is it was – indicative of everything that has been endemically wrong with Nebraska football since shit, November 23rd, 2001. No matter who the staff is, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter who's out there playing, the same problems are always there. And that's why I got so pissed off with it. Because when I watch other college football around the country on a Saturday, I see a lot of weird school happen and like Penn State being on five example. I guarantee it's really good for instance. The transitive property rarely works in college football. It works even less so in a season like that. But when it comes to Nebraska it's the same problem year in, year Are you there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You broke up a lot. Greg, you still there? I'm here. I agree. Oh, it did okay. break up a lot. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think this – watching different teams play, every every team seems to be so – I just all over the board from game to game. It's like – it's as if – it's as if Iowa went out and said, okay, we're going to play really well against Michigan State and beat the living shit out of them. You know, I, Michigan State beat Michigan, Michigan. beat them up. And yeah. now we've discovered that Michigan's really kind of a, what, not a bad team. Again, they have good athletes, but they, they're just not there. They don't give a shit this year. So, you know, they barely. Kansas State beat, Kansas State beat Oklahoma back in. Except they shut out Iowa State forty-five nothing last Saturday. Yeah, I, it, all of this is bizarre. So, I guess it's. I, I realize we're coming up on Iowa, and I don't want to lose to Iowa again, mostly because I don't want to hear another year of their fucking garbage. And their you know, jokes are the most bullshit attempts at humor <laughs> I have ever seen on social media. I mean, good lord. I wish I cared about anything in my life as much as they care about their hatred for Nebraska football. <laughs> I mean, if they could take that passion that they have and their hatred for Nebraska and put it to a good cause, they could cure cancer. They could put somebody on Mars. Hell, they could probably solve this pandemic. But instead, you got whole Iowa accounts dedicated to dredging up every Husker player that's ever been fucking arrested. It's like, good Lord. You know, like, <laughs> I know it's probably boring over in Muscatine or Waverly or, you know, 
Winner said Iowa, but good Lord, find something else to do than peruse through the Journal Star website to find articles from 1994 to post on Twitter. <laughs> I want to I want to shift focus back to Nebraska real quick. Um, this has become uh, I, I'm trying not to use the word loosely, but it, it's become uh, an epidemic. I was going to say pandemic, but I'm going to go with epidemic. Uh, Nebraska. Uh, cornerbacks and defensive backs who can't just wrap up. And I'm not talking about helmet to helmet, um, but there are a, a stupid, an insane amount of stupidity when they're just throwing their body haphazardly at the ball carrier, mm-hmm. hoping for something. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, they're going to get shook up. I think I, I, um, maybe it was Boodle. I don't know. Uh, I feel like it was uh, uh, some one of the guys got got uh, his bell rung uh, a little bit. I mean, I'm not even t- we haven't even got to Colin Miller yet. Um, but it's like, who's teaching these guys to tackle, and why are they just? Oh, I'm just going to fling my body at him and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. I think that's a commonality with defensive backs all through defensive backdom. Okay, I think so too. Right. And I. I a big part that drives me nuts about that is when you look around the Big Ten Conference, everybody except for us has DBs who hit and they hit hard. Ours try to be like Ronnie Lott, but they go for these haphazard shoulder bumps and just throwing themselves at the ball carrier. It's like, just wrap up and make the fucking routine play. Yeah. And don't even get me started on our DBs' inability to turn around and play the football <laughs> on a fade route in the end zone. <laughs> I mean, you know, out of, out of fairness to them, I mean, if I was a 200-pound defensive back, I wouldn't really want to – I wouldn't want to collide with a 220-pound uh, Tyler Goodson running straight at me at a yeah, full well, head. Of- when you sign those scholarship papers, it's kind of <laughs> dangerous on kind of on the W-2. Well, that is true. Okay, I have a question, Ross. Haas. Oh, my Bob. God. <laughs> yes, God yes, Ron. Okay. <laughs> You talked. You you mentioned earlier that uh, Frost's offense. He d- he does game plans in which he has different plays depending upon the matchups that he's going to see from the opposing team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very NFL thing. Do you think that that is a detriment to him? I mean, he earlier this year and he's talked about it before. Is it's like, well, the younger players aren't ready to get on the field yet, and you're kind of like, well, then why can't you? simplify the offense so they can get on the fucking field. I mean, I, I guess I get it. I get it. You know, Bo Pelini told us there was nothing wrong with his defense. And he told us that even though every time he came up against a really good team, they blew him away. And he just kept saying, well, there's nothing wrong with my schemes. I mean, does Scott Frost need to change stuff or does he need to do a better job of coaching? Does he need to – I'm not going to say need better players because that's bullshit. This is the team you have. Figure out how to use them to the best of their abilities. Yeah, make so there's a lot there. About chicken shit. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a case where he needs to make wholesale changes in terms of scheme. I think a big thing is you need to teach it better. You need to teach it. And you need to coach it better because if. If you're talking about a third-year sophomore 
like some of the guys we have at receiver who still can't get on the field, even though, you know, they redshirted, they had a redshirt freshman year, and now they're a redshirt sophomore. Chances are, like, if their physical abilities are there, chances are the reason why they're not getting on the field is there's disconnect in what's being taught and what's being learned. So you got to make sure that you're teaching it in a way that players can grasp. And that comes, you know, that's on the mental side of things. What's my assignment? And that's on the physical side of things, how to execute their assignment. Because we've been in the weight room for three years under Duvall. We've been in the offense for three years. I'm sure they know it from a mental standpoint. So why aren't they getting it from a physical standpoint? Why aren't they able to put it all together finally and go out there and execute their assignment? One of two things is at play here. Either they're not good enough players, and unfortunately that does happen, or they're not being taught in a way that allows them to confidently go out there and execute their assignment. We recruited, we've recruited better than anybody else in the Big Ten West. I, how many years in a row? Oh, God. Probably going back in 2011. A lot. So this we, idea that we don't have tops in the West. Every year in recruiting. Yeah, we, the idea that we don't have athletes should be dismissed completely. Because I, I was still on that line of thought up until probably the Minnesota game last year. And, you know, because when we lost, like, we lost to Colorado, and when we lost to Ohio State, it was kind of like, all right, well, Colorado, you know, we got beat. They had some athleticism on the perimeter. We got beat. Okay. And we didn't have a kicker. Ohio State, a lot of people are going to get beat. But, you know, you think, you keep thinking, okay, we just need better players. We just need better players. And then you go up to Minnesota in 2019, and a team that you dropped half a hundred on the year before when you were 0-6 and got your first win against this team that went on to beat Wisconsin by three touchdowns and blow out Georgia Tech and whatever the Meineke Park Air Tickets Bowl, whatever it was. <laughs> and you're getting tuned up 34-7. to at that point, it's not a player's issue. At that point, something's wrong. See, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I think so. I think we're a, still a weak team. And I, when I say weak, I don't mean physical strength. Mentally. mentally. Yeah, I, I think that last week when that first play happened, that entire team went, shit, here we go again. And, and they didn't know how to dig themselves out of it. And they have nobody on the field that's going to be the guy. Yeah. Well, we don't have that eraser on either side of the football, you know. Right. We don't have a we don't have Amir Abdullah on offense that can bail us out of jams. We don't have Indomic and Sue Levante David or Randy Gregory on the defensive side of the ball that can, you know, close a big gap that got created on the play and still make a you know positive play for the defense. But so that from an athletic standpoint that's there, but I agree with Mentally and emotionally, we are still a very fragile team. And I think a lot of it stems from you get your first win of the year, you get off the schneid against Penn State. You didn't handle successful because a week later you came out and you laid an egg against arguably the worst team in the Big Ten Conference. Okay, so now we're going to go up this week against, let's just call them a rival because they are. They get are over. a rival. Yeah, they, damn right they are. Okay, we're going to go up against a team that has a well-established identity. I hate to say this, but they are well – they're coached decently. Yeah, they're uh, they're a self-actualized football team. 
They know what they're doing, and they know what they're going to do, and it's going to be the same thing that they did last week and the week before that and the week before that. And, and we they can want nothing more than to cause us bodily harm. <laughs> we can make fun of them for being just slightly above average most of the time or sometimes, but we're going to go in with a weak-minded football team <laughs> that has better athletes, I think, all around than they do. What's going to happen? First and foremost, on the <laughs> on the defensive side of the ball, we got to stay in our gaps. We got to stay in our gaps against their inside and outside zone schemes. We can't over pursue against the run when it's a bootleg the other way. Our linebackers got to cover their tight ends. And on the offensive side of the ball, we got to be able to move the football consistently on the ground and then take our shots in the passing game as they present themselves. Because if you make a mistake against Iowa, you know, trying to throw something over the middle and you don't see a linebacker sinking in coverage, trying to hit a fade down the sideline and the safety undercuts the route, it's going to be a difficult. It's going to be difficult to score. We've had some difficulty scoring against these guys the past two years in close contests. Um, last year, that was a hell of an effort that we had to get back into the game after being down 24-10 at halftime. In 18, it was a hell of an effort to get it tied, you know, going into the final minute. But I I hate to say it because I really, really, really hate Iowa. I don't have a whole lot of faith in this team on for Friday. You know what the good thing is, is the last two years Iowa has had a better football team than we have, and they've still had to fight tooth and nail to beat us. You know, the past two years, though, we we were coming off wins the week before. We weren't kind of in this death spiral that we are right now this week. We don't know it's a death spiral. It was one no, I'm, I'm just I'm just speaking. It's not a death spiral. Uh, it sure feels like a death spiral. It's not. No death but, spiral. Uh, I, I, do have some, I do have some hope, though, because even though we've struggled to score against them the past two years, it's been a close game, and I think that even though you know, John, you said they have better athletes. I would probably, I would differ no, on that. No, we have the no. edge on athleticism. Up no. front, they have the edge on us. I say they have a better team. I didn't say better athletes. There's I'm a difference. Sure I got athletes in there. No, no. Okay, all right. I, I'm glad the record reflects what you actually said. Okay, maybe um, I did. I don't know. But they have a better team. They know what they're doing. They do. Their mentality is better than ours. They're not weak. They're going to be physical. Yeah, they they are going to be physical and they're going to they're going to get off that bus ready to shove our noses in it. And we can't let that happen. If you have any ounce of pride as a football player, you go out there and you play with some you play with some juice. You know? It's right. back. The juice is real. Be hard to kill. Bring the fire. So uh, did you guys watch basketball today? Uh, No, I was working on a statistics final. Greg? I was working. I was working too, but I had it streaming on one monitor while I was working on the other. (laughs) I only have one monitor, John. I'm sorry. I know. It's really hard. You are superior to me in every way. I have three monitors in front of me right now. Um, John, why don't you send a monitor to Greg? Yeah, John, why don't you send a monitor to Greg? 
you asshole. <laughs> well, I'd damn sure do that before I'd send you a Milt Tenenberg book, you fucker. <laughs> Ooh, see, that, see, Greg. That that see. raises an interesting question before we get uh, back on basketball. Is What else would you send me before you sent me the Milt Tenenberg book? Pretty uh, fucking much everything. A hundred dollars? Okay, a thousand dollars. The thing with the basketball team, uh, number one, they scored. They scored over a hundred points. And number two, it was kind of weird because when we always put five guys on the court, and they all five of them could play basketball. I don't think I I can't remember the last time I saw that from Nebraska basketball. But how many of them were walk-ons like, from the state of Nebraska? Who fucking cares? Well, I'm, I, I, I don't, it, it's an important question. I don't give a single shit about that. No, it it, it be John. It, it does. Uh, do we have any of a? Uh, oh, what what the heck? The kid's name who transferred out after last year? Uh, Charlie, the kid from Lincoln. No, Charlie Easley. Thank you. Yeah, do we we don't have any more Charlie Easleys? Do we actually have competent basketball players? Yeah. All right. As long as tell you what, if you give me four, yeah, I mean, co- no, like no, it. no. Let me let me. If you give me four competent basketball players and a guy from Iceland named Thor 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 Yarbinson, I like our odds. But it, it was fun to watch. You know why else it was fun to watch? Because we won. Because no, because I don't have any fun. expectations for the basketball team. I don't. Every time they go out there, I go, "Hey, maybe they'll play well. Maybe they might make some points." Maybe Make they'll actually win a game. We don't take every basketball player that we have that fails and drive them into the fucking ground as if they destroyed our lives like we do no, people like quarterbacks named coaches. What's that? I only reserve that kind of aggression for coaches. That's you, but the fan base does it. Yeah, and I, they're kids. I they're college kids. And I, I will say... Going back to college at the age of 25, getting my undergraduate degree and now being in grad school, really, that drove home for me like, hey, I shouldn't be so hard on this player for my favorite team when he drops a pass. Like, he's got a lot of shit going on in his life. He has to balance being a college student, being a human being, and trying to please 1.9 million people in this state. Shit. See, that's why if if your favorite – if your favorite receiver was Nate Swift, you wouldn't have to worry about that because Nate Swift don't drop passes. Remember that. That's a shot. You know who I really miss too? Maurice Purify. Quincy Inunua? Uh Quince was good. Yeah. You know who would have been great in Frost's offense? Corey Ross. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What a bowling ball. Yeah, there are a lot of players that in the past I look at, I'm like, God, I wonder what they look like in Frost's offense. Rex, you'd have been great. Janovich. I think Rex can play football. Mickey Joseph? I'm just kidding. I mean, Rex can't play football for a while. Yeah, RIP. I, I mean, he's not dead, but you, you know the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's – Let's bring this show to a close in the way that we traditionally do, and that's with some predictions. Are we doing predictions? We have right. to do predictions, Hoss. It's it's tradition. If I'm drinking, I'll go last, like I always do. If I'm drinking wild turkey the night before Thanksgiving because of a long-held tradition of turkey before turkey, then you're giving your Mom. 
weekly game prediction. By the way, can I make an addendum to this? Can will you guys give me one one birthday present, if you will, on these predictions? Are you gonna Are you <laughs> gonna say it's gonna be sixty nine to three? No, 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 no. It's not gonna be sixty nine to three, and I'm not saying that we're gonna drop half a hundred on them. I'm not saying that. You just have to give me the score and an outrageous prediction of like. I don't know. Adrian Martinez catches a touchdown pass. Just come up with some outrageous prediction for a, a player. You know. Okay. Okay. I can. I, I'm on board. Uh, John, are you on board with something like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. All I'm right. never outrageous, but I I could stretch it just for this. John, you've been stretching John, it since before we were born. The word outrageous based off. That's lies. <laughs> John, I'm gonna let you go first. Back in fifteen. 15- 47. <laughs> okay. Uh, Nebraska 38, Iowa 21. Nebraska's up by 21 points before Iowa scores. Marvin Scott has 150 yards rushing. Uh, Adrian Martinez throws for 300 yards. <laughs> Who's Adrian Martinez? <laughs> hey, you know my consonants are shitty at night. What do you want Pony. from me? He, he's right up there with Ross Hoyter. <laughs> All right, that's a lot of good, hey, uh, good, ridiculous predictions. Not, uh, so I have a son in that name of Ross Reuter. <laughs> That'd be the best. I look forward to it. I'm going to look at that little bastard and go, hey, I named you, kid. I may be your dad, but I named you. <laughs> all, all naming rights will be credited to John Damn Johnston. And, and not only that, go. Hoss, but, but be prepared because John's also going to teach your son how to swear. That's Unless fine. Unless you do. Go. Unless you, you do like a right? good father. <laughs> like a good father. No, All right. So John I mean, gave us. I, I swear I could say. John gave us a lot of. So did I. You, you changed that around. Well, I changed that around, kids. Um, John gave us a, a, a lot of outrageous predictions. I'm going to say Nebraska. <sighs> these damn games are always close. I'm going to say Nebraska 31, Iowa 28. I'm going to say that a Nebraska defensive lineman. Gets a touchdown. Okay. We're going to see. I, you got to name the line, you poopy head. Yeah, you got to name the lineman. <sighs> is it going to be offense or is it going to be a defensive touchdown? Oh, it's going to be a defensive touchdown. Okay. Um. Well, it's not going to, no offense, it's not going to be Damian Daniels. <laughs> Although we all would appreciate a fat man score. Uh, so I'm going to oh, say yeah. Ty Robinson. Okay. Ah, all right. You asked for this. Uh, I'm just remember. going. Oh wait, were you gonna say something, Greg? I said you asked for this. Just remember. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm gonna say Nebraska twenty-seven, Iowa seventeen. Ooh, I like it. Brendan Hymas scores a touchdown as a eligible tackle on a touchdown catch. And I'm going to say Luke McCaffrey has 95 yards rushing playing that slot duck R position. I like it. Now, That's not that extravagant. <laughs> oh, Brendan Hymas catching it. Okay. Do you want- no, Luke McCaffrey. Okay. You're, you're kind of right. But 95 yards rushing just out of the backfield and out of the slot. Yeah. Because I, I think Adrian will start. I agree. And 
we're going to have to have you back on Haas because I feel like we've not even touched, we, we, we've, we've barely scratched the surface of things that we could talk about so far, uh, with Husker football. So, uh, as your schedule well, you allows know, it, you know, I, I don't want to cut, I don't want to cut you off here, but I was about to say, I'm done with my semester as of today. Um, I'm available to be available to be on here, um, all the way into late January. <laughs> Limited edition. Oh snap! Uh, all right, that uh, that 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 uh, that's good news. We'll just leave that figure out. Do you soon. think we could get everyone on coordination to do the same outrageous predictions in Pro- the article? Uh, no, because. The article is almost written, and it'll go live at seven eleven in the morning. Oh damn! Okay, well, I I, th- I tried. Maybe now, I'll get in the Slack chat room and yeah, rustle so, up. Some so here's a, after dark story. Here's what you can do, Hoss. Start a little uh, roundtable. Get it going and have it drop because uh, the kickoff's at noon. So have it drop sometime between uh, uh, you know now and then. No, honestly, I don't know when I'll have time to write it because. Uh, I'm getting up to go to the gym early tomorrow. Start off my birthday the right way, and then probably at about 10 a.m. be hitting the uh, hitting the booze. <laughs> That's one way to. Hey, Thanksgiving's my fa- Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday, and it's my. Is it why? Why is that? I've just always loved Thanksgiving, and I think it's probably because my birthday is always around it or uh, on it. I get to spend the day with family, food, football, booze. I get to watch Nebraska play the next day, usually never at work or in class, you know. I've always loved Thanksgiving. All right. And I, I mean, I'm not going to – I don't start any fights at family Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm not like Al Pacino in the movie Scent of a Woman. You know, I'm not doing that. But just love a good Thanksgiving dinner. Cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Haas, for joining us. You will be back. We'll make sure of it. Uh, he is John Dam Johnston, Haas Reuter. I'm Greg Mahochko. And we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red. Win the damn game against those motherless fucks. <sighs> I missed hearing that.